Hello, and welcome to the Palette Plug Podcast with your hosts, Kyle and Corey. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back. Today, uh, our guest is Randy Ellington, uh, part owner of Palette Sales and Recycling. We're really excited for this conversation. Randy and I just tend to go off on random tangents and have had a couple of phone calls, so we're glad to finally be able to sit down and record the conversation because we feel like there's some value that we can kind of bring back to the pallet community and share with the other, share with others. So Randy, would you mind giving us a, another brief introduction to yeah. who you are, what you, what you got going on? All right, so Randy Ellington and I, I am part owner of Pallet Tales and Recycling, a company was started four years ago. I've, I've been in the pallet business for 25 years. Uh, the first time I'd seen a pallet was, uh, um, kind of a similar story to what Corey was saying in episode one or two about how he uh, was introduced to pallet. My brother was introduced by an old timer, kind of showed him what to do and how to do it. And my brother took over from there and I became his partner and the journey continued. And 25 years later, I'm part owner of Pallet Tales and Recycling and super excited to talk about pallets with you guys. What you're doing... Uh, I've almost got all 15 episodes done, but uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. It. That's awesome. Uh, I really appreciate that. And we're really excited to have you and to talk. And I think that, uh, you know, as we've kind of discussed in the past, sometimes the previous conversations we might have had have been more like interviewee and formal. And so I feel like we want this to be more of that like open conversation, back and forth, free flowing um, even though there, this is recorded, you know, it's not meant to be, uh, structured in any way, shape or form. So I think, um, it's kind of going into it. I mean, I, I feel like you, you had some questions you wanted to ask Corey and it was related to trucks. So maybe before we even get into pallets, you can ask him about well, the, the truck. So we're, we're busting, uh, we're busting chops about Chevy trucks right off the bat. I've been a Dodge guy my whole career. Uh, Dodge was the, was the first truck. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and I appreciate Dodge getting me to where I am today, for sure. <laughs> like those trucks were great, and I can tell you, I I definitely uh, I'm here because of some of those, for sure. Well, what were you well, saying I mean, about like they were breaking down? Oh, god, sorry, Corey. It, it works for everybody, you know. I like Chevy. You know, I've got almost four hundred thousand miles on my truck, and that thing's a beast all day long you know yesterday i pulled i think 260 pallets out of san angelo texas you know in 110 degree weather and that thing just you know beast mode all day long but it's you know <laughs> you take the good with the bad you know it's, every truck has their problems you know i mean it doesn't matter if you have a, a semi truck a pickup truck you know, whether you're pulling a 40-foot goose or a 53 box trailer, you're going to have problems somewhere down the line. So some guys point. like the Dodges. Some guys like the Fords. I'll yeah. keep my Chevys and keep trucking. <laughs> so. now, now it's Freightliners and Internationals, right? So uh, mm. I started with an F100 and then graduated to a uh, Dodge 350 and stayed there for – most of the time I was vending pallets and then now Freightliners and internationals are kind of the tractors that we're running. How many, how many do you guys own? Uh, that's a great question. So we run 10 tractors. I believe we own two and okay. 
Yeah. So I really like the leases right now. It's a fixed. You kind of know what you're going to, according to mechanics, so he understands this one, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You kind of know what you're going to pay. You're paying $3,500 for the lease or twenty five plus miles. You can fix that into everything that you do. Uh, when you own a truck, you cannot fix in all of the breakdowns and, uh, you know, lost deliveries because you don't have a replacement truck. So where we're mm -hmm. at right now, it works the best for us. So you, you're leasing them and then you're, are you hiring the drivers yourself as well? Or like yep. they're all your own employees? Yeah. Yeah. So we have 10 drivers, um, that are all of our employees. So I confused, okay. right? So we, uh, <laughs> we definitely, we, we lease trucks, but all of the drivers are ours. And then we have okay. 250 plus trailers where they're, they're using all of our equipment. Uh, it's just the lease trucks, the breakdowns, and the loss of deliveries. Uh, we learned over, you know, a lot of hard lessons that it's easier for Penske to switch it out than a rider than uh, than it is to get a mechanic to fix it tonight. That makes sense, and it's well, like the nice, the nice it's... thing about it too. You know, if you if you got a driver going down the road and a truck breaks down, he has to pull over. You know, you just call Ryder or Penske. Hey, my truck just broke down. Okay, cool. We'll go get it. You know, they show up with a tow truck truck and another truck and your guy's back on the road. And so, is, Do they do that? They will bring you a truck? Like they'll they'll replace it? That's, that's why we're doing it, right? And, gotcha. and we're talking about it because I think it, um, yeah, it, it is important. Those are problems that, that you do not want. Uh, way stations. Owning your own truck and getting shut down at a way station, you get mm -hmm. shut down with the Penske or Ryder or any other leasing truck, uh, they'll switch it out for Interesting. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, I yeah, I didn't know any of that. Well, so how do you – the truck itself, right? So you can just detach from the trailer, leave it, and then they'll come and pick it up with a new truck? Uh, so they'll, they'll normally – yeah. Oh, that's exactly right. They'll bring okay. a new truck. We'll have to go get a new truck and then come back an hour later. And but uh, yeah, that's okay. Interesting. They make it real simple, well, man. Yeah, that that's cool. And I didn't know that that option was really available to you either. So I think that it's helpful to to be able to learn things like that and be able to share it with other people. Um, mm -hmm. So I know that we've instead of instead of talking about trucks and. We can focus more back on, on the pallet conversation and things of that nature. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of was curious myself being in it for so long, being in this industry for so long, like what are some of the drastic or just changes in general that you've noticed like since COVID? Cause I feel like a lot of people are aware like prices changing and fluctuating. And then now we're kind of in like this whole new climate. So like, what is, what was your experience through that? Yeah. I guess so it's it kind of definitely, yeah. Sorry. So it definitely, <laughs> definitely, um, it's different now than it was in COVID. Right? COVID was like a a rocket ship, and we all just were trying to hang on. And um, mm -hmm. now we can actually breathe for a second. It, it has slowed down. Sales have slowed down a little bit, but now we're able to put infrastructure. So we went so fast and grew so fast. Now we can put the department in place. We can put the personnel to where instead of having three or 
three or four different jobs and wearing five hats, uh, we can actually start filling those positions and making them departments to where they'll, they, they will hold up a heavier load. So on the back side of this, we'll be able to be bigger actually than what we are right now because we are putting that infrastructure. So there has been a slowdown, but we're using that to our advantage and we have switched. And I'm not saying we, but you know, switching to custom size pallets uh, to where you're not. And I don't know if Corey does this or not, but uh, you're inventorying 4840s right now. If you go to any pallet yard, uh, we have 70,000 number ones on our yard. Anyone in St. Mm -hmm. Louis, you know, 50 to 150,000. So we've kind of focused on the custom sizes. Been my niche my whole career, taking a free pallet, stripping it through our through our process. Uh, we don't use sawzalls anymore, but I started with a homemade board, bar, board breaker, uh, just a metal little crowbar and popped off all the boards. And now we have teardown machines and so doing the custom sizes, and you normally don't have to stack them up. Normally, they're ordering them more often, so you're not inventorying all of your product. And that's kind of, you know, we definitely have a good mix. We do about 50% of 4840s and 50% odd size pallets, all from recycled material. Now, was that like... Do you think that that opportunity was there prior to COVID or do you think that COVID may, like created that opportunity for, like, I know you guys said you're kind of like implementing new things for growth. Um, but I guess I'm just kind of curious, like, is it all of a sudden like these custom pallet customers like came out of nowhere or was it, they were with somebody else, you know, like how did this opportunity to create custom and it be 50% of your business come about? Uh, did, did Corey have anything to say on that one, or you want me to answer oh, that? Sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, did you do any custom? Or oh, we we built some custom pallets very short term. It was one of those. Hey, I need a hundred pallets, and this is the size we need. And like same thing you did. You know, all of our materials recycled. So to me, it's awesome because you know you take something, you strip it down, and you build a new pallet. You know, and you're making money all the way around. Uh, but do I think it came out of, out of COVID depends on the industry. I mean, like I always preach to everybody, you have to know your industry. You have to know what's around you. You know, if you're, if you're in a city where there's a lot of manufacturing, then yeah, there's a huge opportunity for custom pallets. But is there, you know, are you going to have a custom pallet for every company out there? No. You know, what I'm seeing right now after, you know, you know, before COVID, you know, everything was running smooth. Everything was rocking and rolling. COVID happened and the economy just became a standstill. And so you get, you know, okay. And then we were struggling for, to get pallets. You know, I couldn't get enough pallets to supply all my customers. And now it's like, uh, it's like now we got too many pallets, you know. I've got I've got more pallets at my yard than I know what to do with, you know. And it's just like trying to figure out, okay, who do I sell them to? How do we move them? But I don't do a whole lot of custom pallets. I will if we need to, but it's just. So what is your what is your focus right now in your business to get out of 
of like the dip or the curve that we're in right now? What what what's your focus and how are you doing it? My main focus right now is just to uh, to keep the customers we have happy. Um, very blessed that you know a lot of these guys out there. Oh, I'm gonna go get ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen dollars for this pallet. We never did that. We never changed our prices. You know, through COVID and after COVID, when everybody was like, oh, I'm getting $15 for A's over here in Atlanta, Georgia. We never did anything like that. We're, we just kept them the same, kept them rolling. So my main thing is now I've got a huge influx of, of pallets coming in. And, you know, I've got one customer that hasn't bought pallets in three months. But, you know, I drive by their yard or their their place and it's like man i dropped those pallets off three months ago <laughs> so you know it's, you take the good with the bad and just keep rolling i like so. what you said about the covid the covid uh how, how you didn't change your prices we were the same way so we we were faced with that um you know we were on we're on this rocket ship everybody wants our pallets now we produce a lot we have all the scrap coming in we can do combo pallets we can really make some money and we did decide at Pallet Tales and Recycling to really honor the relationships of these people that have trust us and not go after those uh, California loads or Atlanta, Georgia loads, right? People calling from all over wanting us to ship outside of our market. And we just tried to stay as loyal to our customers as we can um, because we knew this time would come. Now, mm -hmm. now we're asking them to be loyal to us. Now we're saying, listen, we know that we're going to give you price deductions. We're, we're going to work with you through this, but we're asking you uh, to, to work with us now. You have options. And then why are we the best option? And I think quality and service means more now than it mm -hmm. ever has. They are looking at it. They want it. They expect it. Uh, you have to do great quality and have great service right now. It's what I'm experiencing. I don't know if you guys see it different. Oh, absolutely. And I think the customers are more aware now. I think they're a lot more aware of what an A-grade palette is, what a B-grade palette is, you know, and what they're expecting an A-grade to be or a number one, depending on who you talk to in the palette world. Some people call them number ones. Some people call them A-grades, you know, or triple A's, double A's, all that good stuff. But I think our customers, with the tech, with the technology and the information that's on the internet, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of customers, are are you know, okay, cool, that's an A grade. Well, why are you trying to sell me a core because it's missing a bottom board when you're trying to get ten dollars for it? I'm not going to pay ten dollars for that. You know, I had a delivered a load to a uh, company last Thursday. And uh, they were A grades. And he was like, these are the best A's that we've ever had. You know? And so it's like, well, it's what we do. You well, know, quality you. quality, and quantity come in time. You know, but you got to really focus on quality in order to, yeah. to keep customers happy. Or they'll just go somewhere else. You know? So that's and where we're at. <clears throat> that is 100% how you get business now right now how you go out of this and you grow your business you get really you get the infrastructure you get really uh good at what you're doing and then the quality and the service will beat everybody right now 
because people are getting full. They don't want to pick up the pallets. It's in COVID, you couldn't get new scrap customers. Everybody mm -hmm. was holding on to the scrap because it was so much, right? You have all the guys out in the pickup trucks and uh, they're not, now you see pallets everywhere before that everybody was cleaning it up. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I was kind of like, that's what I was, I was curious about when you guys had said, like, you're kind of focusing more on custom, like, did, did that business ex exist like during COVID or is it something that you guys are now just having to change the way that you're operating and focusing on now? You know, like, was it something you never thought of? Uh, and, and now that kind of like you have this massive inventory of 4840s, you're like, okay, well, how do we adjust? How do we change? How do we continue to make money as a business? Or was it always out there and you guys kind of were doing it, but you're now just like increasing that? I know I kind of asked like three questions yeah. in there, but I'm just kind of <laughs> curious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail one of them. If I forget the other two, you got to let me know, right? Yeah. So okay. uh, we, I have always done custom pallets throughout my career. It's always been a okay. focus. I started my company picking up 36, 36s and 48, 48s, things that okay. were not 48, 40s. All the old timers had their route. All They were doing their thing. So I had to figure out how to sell these pallets that they weren't picking up. How to, and so doing that, kind of just did it my whole career. We got a little bit away from it in COVID because of the cores were so, number ones were going for so much and it was just a high demand. And um, we lost focus a little bit, hmm. but then whenever the market started switching, we did not want to keep building number ones. And because we build pallets, right? We build 20,000 of them uh, with either used or a combination of used and new, I didn't want to build them to stack them up. So where can they go? And that's where we're just hitting the market and trying to do, everyone's doing the same thing. It's not just us, but uh, you know, we try to hit it as fast as we could. And you're referring to custom pallets when yeah. you're saying so you're to hit they were, gotcha. we were always selling them. We just didn't right. sell that amount. We knew where the customers were. We've had them before and we just reintroduced, Hey, we can do this. Everyone wants a cost savings now. Pat, the price was way up here. And if you can save them money what's used, they are all for it right now. Like that is definitely the name of the game. Gotcha. And so you guys are like breaking down every size palette that you find and pick up to then build a custom palette, but out of used material. Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Okay, yeah, so we gotcha. have to... So I've always ran teardown machines since the board breaker. Uh, we had the metal board breaker. We went from a metal uh, crowbar board breaker to teardown machines. We've always like built them or, or refurbished them. We just installed a PRS, six, uh, two different machines that have three teardown machines, conveyor belts, and then trim saws on the backside. Um, and two of those units side by side um i am sure there's some footage on linkedin or youtube um you know we've been trying to do that and share it and and uh just let people see how what we're doing yeah. yeah yeah no i think that that's important i think that there's not, not enough content out there of of that type of stuff and that type of like how a machine works and um from the the tear down to the resaw to everything like mm -hmm. that like we were talking to 
uh, I think it was like Mike Hungerland, um, the guy down in Florida. And he, like, I was telling him how it's like, I would, I would watch like a, how it's made version of pallets, but also on the like tear down side of it too. Cause there's just, you don't see enough of it. And so it's, it, it would be helpful. So definitely I'm going to hold you to that. You gotta, you gotta put some more content out there about that kind of stuff. I, I, I know there's a video on, on YouTube or LinkedIn of me, yeah. uh, of me racing one of our guys, right? I haven't, I haven't oh, right. pallets for a long time. And uh, I wanted to see how hard it was, and he did one real fast, and then he had to help me build mine, and that, that kind of <laughs> stuff's out there. So but we'll make sure that, that we are leading and helping with any new ideas or new things that we're coming up with and sharing that so the whole industry moves, right? We, us guys that are down there close to the start of things need to 100% help each other and share and um, for sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. And I think that that was like one of the main conversations I felt like that kept coming up when when we've talked in the past is um, just the desire to help. And I, that's kind of one of the main reasons that you're here right now, right, is so that you can share your knowledge and your experience with people and also kind of show that there is this ability to be transparent and I know I, I use the word like vulnerable in the past, you know, within this industry and kind of like open people up more. I felt like that's kind of the reason that I started this whole thing was because I always felt like anytime you tried to not anytime and I don't want to like, you know, generalize or anything, but it's hard to have a conversation with a pallet business owner about their business. I feel like, you know, and like how they've done what they they've how they've gotten to where they're at you know, what they do on a daily basis, what works. So uh, I appreciate your openness and your willingness to, to share and to, to come on here and talk about these things. Cause I think that that's one of the things that I really value, not just in this industry, but in general, you know, I think that like the part of the human experience is being willing to share with other people. And so like, if you know something and it can help and make somebody else's life a little bit easier, like why would you refrain from sharing that with somebody else? You know, like that's just kind of how I've, I feel like I've always been, you know, if I can, if I can teach somebody to, to be better than I am and to do something better than I can, then like, I would, I would rather see that, you know, I would rather see somebody else be more successful. So so, thank you. So I have at least 10 people <laughs> in St. Louis and some other places that have worked for us and mm -hmm. then I've moved on and did their own pallet companies, right? Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, at, okay. least, at least 10 of them, may, may, maybe more. And I don't, uh, there's no hard feelings at all. I appreciate that. I'm glad that they came and they helped us at, at the time. They learned something. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of them we still do business with. We help them. Uh, when we're in a pinch, we call them. When they're in a pinch, they call us. And, um, you know, it, it it can be a different relationship now. Old school pallet guys, 100% protected their knowledge, right? We didn't have cell phones. You didn't have YouTube. You ain't protecting mm. your knowledge now. We're all going to know it. Everybody's going to know what everybody's doing. So uh, why not be part of the solution and uh, not the problem? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I feel like... 
It, I mean, I, I don't want to like repeat everything that I just said because I <laughs> no, feel like no, no. it's kind of you know like that, that. But that that's the point, you know, is just to be wanting to be open and being willing to share and talk about. Because like I think it's also a way to connect. You recognize that like you're not alone, and you're also all in the same industry. So like, why would you? not want to try and find a way to connect with somebody and to like share a story about something that you've gone through. Like you were mentioning before, like a truck breaking down or the fact that like you've these people like worked for you as what were they like repair guys or like, what did they do that then allowed them to be able to move on and like do their own thing? So normally in our business, you start, um, you, you start on the hour and then you, you earn your way to piecework. Piecework is where you're going to make the most money. They're all $30, $40 an hour probably. Uh, they make really good money on that. So wow. those guys at some point probably repaired pallets, tore down pallets. Most of the people that work in our facility are kind of cross-trained on all of it. So I would say those guys kind of knew it all. Uh, two of them were uh, plant managers of a business I owned about 10 years ago. And uh, they were really good guys. They, they grew up with me in the pallet industry and was able to go out on their own and good for them. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And they're still like local to you or are they out yeah. like, in different areas? Yeah, no, they're all, they're all local for sure. We get wow. to see them. Uh, we get to see their trailers pull right next to ours and some of our customers. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And, and again, it, like you said, it's like no hard feelings or anything like that. Like you're, you're fully supporting these people. Well, now, now after I've talked about it for a minute, maybe I'm not. <laughs> yeah, we do. We try to, for sure. Yeah. But now they're competitors. Now they're competitors, right? Before mm. we loved the journey. They went where they went. Um, we're friendly com competitors, 100%. Well, like good or healthy competition promotes. Health. Super. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that it's, it's not, um, the, uh, what am I trying to say? Like just the idea of seeing them as, as competition, as you said, like it's, it's just encouraging for you guys to continue to grow and to, to pursue more. Right. So we have to be better, right? The youth are taking <laughs> over. You guys, your idea, what you're doing, what you're able to 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 do this couple times a week, uh, your time and effort that you're putting in, it's going to grind me out, man. Like eventually, <laughs> I cannot compete with your energy, so I have to do something different. I have to be better. I have to go to another level. We had talked before uh, we started recording that, you know, I'm at a weird transition in my company to where, I was a hustler, right? Got this started, like we learned pallets, 20 years moving as fast as I could to get somewhere Well, I'm here. And now it's time to learn to slow down and lead and teach people to lead. So if I can, if I can teach a manager to manage and teach more managers, then our company can just hold more weight at more weight, more customers. And that's kind of, what we're looking at. But what does that, what does that take on your end? Um, it takes reading books for sure. So <laughs> I've read, I've never read books. And, right. I've never, I've yeah. been, I, my, my shoulder has been to the wheel. I have not looked up 
this is pallets for my life. I've been consumed with it. I had uh, manufacturers guides at Christmas my whole life. I feel so sorry for all of my family uh, <laughs> because, you know, even on vacations, I'm working, I'm trying to build mm -hmm. this thing. So now um, I have to just teach myself to uh, slow down, to not answer fast that we have to give it till tomorrow. Well, well I appreciate what you brought to us. We're going to think about that. And tomorrow we're going to have an answer. Not that always everything has to be done right now. We have to keep going, going. We have to pull back a little bit. And that's kind of where I see I, I'm at. But um, and we also, you know, having a partner that is better in different areas has really taught me too, for sure. Like we, we can learn together. That's that's Bob. That's who you're referring yep. to. Okay, gotcha. Because I know that you had mentioned your other uh, partner down in Kentucky, um, which like that. Uh, did you want to talk about that at all and kind of how sure. like, that learning experience or like what what that has brought to you and how you've been able to kind of grow in that aspect of things? Yeah, so it's a working theory and we're still working it. Uh, I've had multiple shops before and mm -hmm. they just didn't work out to find it. And well, hopefully we can talk about software later and technology and how if I had that back then, I could have did the multiple shops. But right now, so the multiple shops did not work out for me. Uh, it was hard to keep everything controlled. So I, I made a decision to go in partners with an owner. So this person put their money in, I put their my money, and they actually run the business and they push it and we try to help him as much as possible. Um, but we have an owner partner there that is pushing and really wants to own a business, wants to, wants to grow it. And then mm. we just have to do what we're supposed to and help him with the sales, help him with the with the office and, and uh, We'll see if it's working. Like this, we're, we're two, we're three years in, and it's just oh, still okay. a struggle. Wow. Like it's an up and down struggle. It, it didn't take off a rocket ship like uh, St. Louis did. Um, so we're just grinding it out all day. I've been doing door to door sales. So we have a sales guy. We have a couple of salespeople that work with us, and one of them was with me today. We're down here in North Georgia, and literally going the old school, knock on doors to get names. Couldn't do that in COVID. That was, a, yeah. that was not a thing, but yeah. this was my first time doing it back for sure. What is that? So you, do you like do door-to-door -door sales at, at all? Or is this your like first time coming back into it since like for a while? Yeah. So definitely for a while, Corey will attest okay. to this. When you're a business owner, you have, you are, you are everything, right? So yes, I've mm -hmm. done door-to-door -door mm -hmm. sales, cold calls my whole life. Uh, now being patient and watching someone else do it and teaching them, hey, here's how I would have did it. And then seeing how good that the younger guys, right, are, they, they see it different. They see the world different. They talk different. They have a different pace. And watching that and observing that, it's good for me to learn kind of what it takes to be a salesperson now, what, what's working. Yeah. No, I, I, I can totally agree and feel you on that. I, I, was in sales majority of my life. And I think that like what I learned versus what I actually implemented and how it was different, um, I think is, it's a lot, 
a lot less aggressive, I guess I could say, you know, it's like a lot more listening, a lot more um, asking the right questions. And I mean, that's sales in general, but I just feel like, I don't know, I'm thinking in the sense of like, like I was talking to my friend the other day where um, he's in plumbing and pipe work and stuff, right? And like his boss will kind of get like aggressive with him at times and he like thinks that it's getting his point across more and kind of like making my friend understand where he's coming from more. But in reality, my friend is just like tuning him out. And he's like, if you're not going to talk to me with respect and dignity, then like, I'm not going to listen to you. You know, like I think that my generation recognizes that like there's more opportunity out there for us than like what's right in front of us. And so I think that's why we are more, um, open to like, like we're not afraid to lose our job, I guess, at least some people, (laughs) you know, no, you know, like, and I think that that's really what it comes down to is that it's like, I know that there's another option. I know there's no more opportunity. So like, if you're not gonna respect me and treat me well, then like, you know, F you, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go do something else. And I think that it's I, I same thing, I, uh, maybe, or like, is that, did you notice that with the people that you were working with yesterday? So a hundred percent of what you're saying, as far as connecting with the next generation, like my, my relationship with, with our salespeople and uh, yeah, how, how I treat them, how I connect with them is something that I'm learning. And it's a different style. Like you're, your generation sees it a little different and definitely um, the technology, you're way, way better at that stuff than, than what we are. So yeah. recognizing that, seeing where I'm failing and and uh, just trying to do better with my relationship with them for sure. Well, and I think that at least in my experience and what I've been told is like this industry specifically like doesn't well, I guess there really was never a need for technology, right? And and now there's like all of these different things that are kind of coming out and, and people are noticing, like for me, for example, it's like there's not a lot of marketing necessarily for pallet businesses, you know, like, and if they do do it on, on their own, it's like a learning experience in itself, you know, they're like, oh, okay, well, let me try this. Let me try that. Let me try this. And it's, I mean, I think that that's what everybody does, but at the end of the day, it's like we we grew up with this stuff and we are going to be the next generation of like consumers and business owners and, you know, CEOs and whatnot. So like it, you kind of have to sink or swim, I guess, in, in that situation. But um, I don't know. I kind of forgot what I was talking about in regards <laughs> to that, to be honest with you. I so, guess so. Um, what you're saying is my approach is too aggressive, Kyle. No, it just depends Where, on because because I'm all about like Kyle tell you I'm all about kicking in doors and be like, hey, I'm here. I got pallets. Let's go. You're <laughs> gonna buy these, and I don't care. Oh, that Kyle's like, no, we need it. We need to shake hands and and talk. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you know, let's go. Let's get it done. Kyle, Kyle would make a great CEO. <laughs> Corey, being a great pallet guy, for sure. And I'm that guy, right? I'm aggressive, like all on my shoulders. I wear, wear, hop on my back, and we're going to do this. 
but then I'm going to be a little mm-hmm. angry about it. I'm going to be a little mean. I learned. That's how I learned. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to treat people that way. And I do do it. And people are going to listen to this and and definitely call me out. And but I do have to do that. <laughs> well, oh, I'm a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. It's just I expect things to be a certain way. And if you don't do it, then just step aside and I'll do it myself. And if your feelings get hurt, your feelings get hurt. And if you don't like it, well, there's the, the front door. Bye. I don't need you. You but, know, but how, how can you grow with that attitude? Right. How can you do 50,000 pallets a week or 40,000? You can definitely do a thousand that way. Maybe, <laughs> ten, maybe two or three, but can you do seven shops that way? Can, you have to eventually learn, right. rely to build people. Like you have to build them up. Get them. Hopefully, they have vision that whenever whenever they do, then support their vision, and it takes way less effort doing that than it does carrying everybody and dragging them up the hill, man. The hard well, I, lesson I learned a couple times. Yeah. Well, so how how like how did you learn that? I guess first, if you want to share, it sounds probably like a negative experience, but yeah. yeah. Like how did how did how did you come to that realization? So instead of talking about uh, employees, well, I'm going to talk about my partner, right? So Fair. learning how we treat each other, right? This is a partnership. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're in charge of uh, a company that's producing millions of dollars a year, right? Sure, we we paid out all back to labor and everything else, but um, <laughs> we've been best friends for 25 years. We've worked together in every business that 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 we've done in pallets, we've done together, learning that relationship, learning how to give in, learning to trust someone. Um, and then, you know, at the top, it's lonely sometimes, man. We have mm-hmm. this pressure and being able to rely on each other and actually break down, like you said, vulnerable. Guys don't talk about that. We're not vulnerable. We are badasses. We're kicking doors in like Corey said. But, <laughs> you, you know, you, you kind of have to, break that wall down. If you really want to build something like what I'm trying to at PR at pallet sales and recycling, um, we really have to build it, tear that wall down and us be on the same page and, and kind of grow together. That has been an unbelievable experience for sure. And I had to listen, I had to get yelled at. I had to, you know, um, get upset, had to watch my friend get upset and, then just learn from those lessons, but always communicate. Don't, you, you have to force that communication. Even when you're mad, you're upset. Uh, hey, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Like tomorrow we're finishing this and just make sure that you work those things out and you don't let them uh, build because that's how partnerships break. And I've yeah. had a couple of them not work. So. No, I, I completely agree with you. I can't, I am, thinking of an example with one of my friends right now where like they're leaving their job because of the fact that communication was not there and if it was attempted it was shut down on one side you know so it's yeah i think it's super important and i think that it's great that you were able to to recognize that and just be able to like now implement it with your employees and now use it as a way to like encourage growth or to, to grow trying, right? Like I'm not perfect. I like, I lose my shit. I lose my stuff too. Uh, It's, 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 
definitely trying and, and when I fail, grab it, admit that I did, and then let's move on and, and do better after that. So what are some other things that you've kind of learned throughout this, this journey? Like, I mean, I know you're, you've been in it for like 25 years, so I'm sure that there's probably a lot, but like, what do you think? Are there certain takeaways that you would want to share with, with like, if somebody were to ask you and be like, okay, what are like, oh, I know you told me you had a list, right? You had a list yeah. of things. Yeah. So yeah, like, no, go. So I, and I would like to see if Corey took, does any of these, right? Here's just a quick one. So QuickBook would be the first one that I would say. If you, even if you're a vendor, as we're a talking vendor, about it today. <laughs> okay. we were talking about QuickBooks today. Go ahead. So, sorry. Yeah. Even, screw, even screwed QuickBooks. <laughs> Go ahead, Randy. Yeah, I get it. I, but <laughs> it's all about scale. And if you want to be, if you want to run a business, I don't care if it's a taco truck, if it's a hot dog stand, you have to have uh, some form of QuickBooks. I'm not definitely not saying QuickBooks is it. There are other ones, but. I am so bad at the office side of things. This is where my partner really put some effort and we have gotten some outside help. We've got some accounting. We finally got big enough to where we can afford a real accountant and then see that, man, that's the difference. We should have did that from the beginning. So having QuickBooks to where you know what you're making, everything in, everything out of QuickBooks. Don't do any transactions without QuickBooks and you'll see uh, if you're making money or not. And then uh, treat people the right way. Like that's on the list. I promise. Uh, <laughs> don't don't buy junk. So I would hundred mm. percent. I am the best at going in and buying a crappy machine and putting a bunch of money in it and not and it never working the way it's supposed to. So just lost time. I'm, I'm, lost I'm, a, I'm like that. <laughs> yeah. So and you know the machines get more expensive, right? So. If you buy a $30,000 piece of junk grinder, you might have just waited $30,000. So hundreds of thousands of dollars on bad stuff, on stuff that I can never get working. Uh, Don't let my maybe. wife listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be like, oh, my God, you spend money on stupid stuff. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's worth but the effort. You have to learn it, man. I promise you. I wouldn't. That's one thing I wouldn't do is skip steps. Like skipping a step. Um, just doesn't never work. It doesn't work. You don't grow. You're, you're in a spot that you're not comfortable and you have to go four steps backwards, right? So don't step, skip any steps, do them to their fullest and then grow to the next one and then grow to the next one. If, if I could, I, I, um, you know, that made me think of like, I think it was from like a, a wealth management book I had read or, or like maybe it was some guru that spewed this, but I found value in it, you know, because there's like, there's two types of people. There's like somebody who thinks with the idea of like building wealth. And then there's like, they called it like the poor mentality and like the wealthy person, let's say that they have like a leak in their gas tank, right? The wealthy person is going to replace the gas tank. They're going to spend the money to replace the gas tank. And it's not just the idea of like, they have the money to do so. It's just the idea of thinking like, the poor person, for example, and again, I'm not trying to like, you know, in a derogatory mm -hmm. sense, it's just like mentality of thinking, but um, 
like they're going to patch the gas. They're going to patch the hole in the gas tank, right? They're not going to spend the money on buying a new gas tank. They're going to keep fixing it with duct tape and trying to resolve the issue that way. But in reality, it's like, okay, you're losing gas, you're leaking fuel, you're spending all money, all that money. You keep on buying rolls of duct tape to try and fix this issue. When a year down the line, you spent probably double or triple on trying to fix the issue rather than like actually resolving the issue. So I just found that yeah. to be relevant in regards to what you were saying with like buying crappy machinery. What about tires? So used tires, right? I don't know if mm. you guys ever bought, I bought used tires when I, cause my tires were going flat all the time. Right. Uh, I, I think a waste, I think you're spending $40 for something that somebody else trash. And yeah. mm -hmm. people do it all the time. And it's something that don't buy used tires. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that too. I like last time I was like, yeah, I don't really want to spend the money on on brand new tires. I don't feel like dropping that right now. And then I was looking and I was like, okay, well, first of all, these are probably going to just slide off the road if I buy these. Like, they, you know, like, never mind. I don't need to continue going down on that tangent, but it's, you're right. It's, yes, it's not worth okay. spending. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I buy hundreds and hundreds of tractor tires that are used, mm. right? I do. And I, we, we got to stop. We got to stop spending $50 for a tractor tire that's used and just buy the 125 and, you know, but when you're talking about eight, eight tires, 250 trailers, it just starts to get a lot, but doing the right thing. That's what I said, right? Do the right thing. Mm. Don't buy junk. Buy, yeah. buy, buy, them by the truckload. Yeah. Who, who's balling like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, man, you, you remind me a lot of Travis, man. And I hope y'all get to talk and stuff like that. And because he's, he's got five locations and stuff like that. And you remind me a lot just to, to like the, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk about the pallets and stuff like that is, you know, is Travis is Travis is like my guy that I look up to. And I, I, man, I would love to have my business like theirs and to be the size that they are. And I know that, you know, it hadn't happened overnight. You know, they've been in the business for 25 years uh, as of April. And so, you know, it's, you know, they're, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool when you get to show up and he's like, oh yeah, we're, we're unloading this semi truckload of, of tires. And he was like, yeah, I don't worry about buying, buying new tires or, you know, tire goes flat or, you know, we have problems with it. You know, I'm not going to go spend two hundred fifty dollars, three hundred dollars on a new tire. We've already got them, so it's it's possible. He, you know. He's doing it the right way, right? Like he is doing doing it that way. It's definitely going to save him headaches, uh, tons of tons of breakdowns that don't have to happen. So. I know you said that that list has more stuff on there. So what what else do you have on uh, on your list? All right, and the, this was just a. Uh, to get things started, right? Yeah. Business cards, gotta mm. have business cards. But even more than that now, it's LinkedIn, right? If you're Agreed. if you're mm -hmm. a pallet guy, even if you're in a pickup truck, you better get on LinkedIn. I agree. And then, oh, absolutely. We, and we can look at the levels of how LinkedIn pallet companies are 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 getting a little better and a little better. Um, the the big guys are starting to separate themselves from us, and that. That concerns me. It's definitely why this is an important podcast. And your your Facebook, um, 
group that you have, it's really important, man. Like super important that that we can help share information so the top doesn't go too far away. And we, and we have to watch that because they are getting really good. I don't know if you guys have seen those videos and mm-hmm. of, of some of the top players in the pallet industry and they're getting like waste management and Republic in the waste in, industry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know yeah, that they we, don't, they we, don't want to talk to us, but here's Corey knocking on their door, kicking in their door. Hey buddy, what's going on? What are you doing today? <laughs> they're like, dang pallet guy. <clears throat> yeah. You know, no, I think it's Kyle. That... Like, Four months ago, Kyle, or three months ago, Kyle was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I'm on LinkedIn, man, talking to people about pallets. And here we are today, you know? So, yeah, LinkedIn yeah. is very important. Even a, even not so much just the pallet industry, but the professional side of things. You know, being able to communicate with, you know, the CEOs and upper management and owners and stuff like that you know being able to just have that you know where they're like oh you're you know you obviously you're a professional or trying to be a professional you know so linkedin is very important if you're trying to be a professional professional yeah, <laughs> I, I agree where i'm saying well that. said you know? well said <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, a, I think that it's very, it's very important. I think that it's, um, it is the business social media, you know, it, or it's the, yeah, it's the business social media. It's a way for you to not only kind of advertise yourself and your skills and promote those things, but also like your business and to connect with others. And again, like somebody who like, like you and I, you know, like we connected because of LinkedIn, I was able to find somebody that worked for your company and then reached out to them and then they contacted or told me to contact you, you know, like, I think that that, that is important to be able to see, um, where people work and as a way of communicating. Cause like Facebook too, like Facebook is more on the personal side. People don't really talk about business that much on Facebook, you know, like in the group, that is the purpose of it is to be more on the business and knowledge sharing side of things. But, at the same time, it's still harder to navigate than like LinkedIn is pretty, you know, professional. People are sharing their business. People are ma- more more formal, more formal of what they're sharing and talking sure. about on there. And and that goes to 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 content, right? What you you got to do different content for different mediums mm-hmm. uh, for sure. What what you could post on YouTube might not work on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And getting people to understand that and buy into it, it, you know, that's definitely been a process. Uh, There's a couple of guys doing it real good. I know we talked about Adam at E3 down in Augusta. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. He started his pallet company within the last couple of years. And it's just amazing. That's why I said the next generation is taking over. And, uh, you know, we have to, we have to continue to grow because they're growing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and I think that that's like when you're doing it on your own and you have to learn all of these things all at once, like you said, the go, go, go aspect of things and like the nonstop, it's it's difficult because it becomes overwhelming because they're all are all of these different mediums, you know, like the the YouTube type of content to the LinkedIn type of content to the 
the Facebook type of content, like it's hard to not only create it, but then to like do it in a way that works, you know, like you could, you could put it out there and just like hope for the best, but then to look at the, um, analytics of things and like what's working and what's not working where do people fall off and when do people stay on you know and then to learn from that and then re-implement it into the next thing like it's it is not easy it's it can be extremely overwhelming and uh i think that to me it's like it's kind of the fun part about it though you know it's like okay well i i'm in no way shape or form somebody who wants to be known for anything you know if i could if I could hide behind a computer and make money, like that would be great as I'm sure everybody would want to. But at the same time, it's like I recognized a need to kind of put a face to something. And I felt like that's kind of why I started doing like the podcast and everything was to really just kind of like not not be that myself, but more so to, like you, you know, like you are who I want to give a voice to and who I want to give that platform to. But but you are that you're you're that next generation, right? Creating it, and we as I have to recognize that this is how things are going to operate in the future. These these boys are on to something, right? Um, <laughs> and to be able to be a part of it right now and help grow it, couldn't be more excited because this is what our industry needs. I you see it super uniquely, um, and. All the stuff you talked about, definitely, I would like to talk about your website and the map, right, that you came up with and why you did that, Uh, because you just did that whole rant about how hard it was, and I think part of that was probably (laughs) that website, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, to be honest, it was, well, okay, so, like, what is, what is your question? I guess I should allow that to happen first. um, What, what is your website that you have that, that, and how did you come up with it? And just tell us, tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> well, sure. Uh, well, so the name of the website is the palette plug as yeah. the name of the podcast is obviously, uh, I have had that name since I started picking up and selling palettes myself. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I thought it's a, a, a funny play on words. Cause I mean, are you familiar that what a plug is normally associated with? No. Oh, okay. A, a plug a palette, is... listen, I've had my head down, and I know palette plug. I think it's a number. Make to the number two. Doesn't. I don't no. know. What no. the? Like, no. So uh, a plug is normally like a guy that you would buy buy drugs from. To be honest, a that's dealer. like you know, it's, it's like, he's the plug. He's got he's got what you need, you know. And so like that you kids- was. You kids and your like, well, so like that is fire, pill or snap or. Hey, hey, I'm not, I'm not that young. All right, I'm not that young. I you're but, younger than us. Yeah, okay, yeah. but still, I'm not that young. There's a whole other generation lingo that sure. I literally want nothing to do with. But anyway, that is he's a he's a younger, older millennial. Right, I'm yeah. an old soul. That's what I've always been told. But, so. <laughs> So the idea was just like, I want to be the guy that people are able to go to, you know, for this, for the pallets. And then from there, like I I moved into the brokering side of things. And then I just kept realizing, like, honestly, it was like when I was a broker, 
I was like, it is so difficult to find a palette company online or anywhere, you know, like maybe you got, maybe there's a Google business profile or maybe there's a website, but like, that was the one thing that I just felt like was super difficult. And then like using Facebook as well, the legitimacy aspect of it became difficult, you know, because there's a lot of people who are selling palettes through Facebook and things like that. And it's, it's hard to truly identify like who is legit and who's not. And so that's why I, I came up with this website was like, okay, well, let me put all of these pallet businesses in one single place. So when somebody wants to find pallets, they can just go on this website and go to the area in which they're looking and they'll find somebody local to them that is a small business or, you know, medium sized business and like literally put put them on the map, you know, like that is what I wanted to do is like give them a place to be able to be found so they can be contacted and sell their pallets to that business. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. Like I being innovative, trying something, I can only imagine what, what that turns into uh, and, and where it goes from here. I actually looked at it and, and uh, there are tons of companies on there that I do not know. And, uh, <laughs> We'll probably be reaching out to some of them, and uh, so it definitely is a tool for me. I'm definitely a member. Uh, yes. So thank you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I, I appreciate it, and I I kind of like totally did not acknowledge the like other side of it, and so the other side of it is like I I've worked with small businesses pretty much my entire life, and one of the things that I've always loved is like being able to hear the stories from the business owner, you know, like why they're doing what they're doing, how they got to where they're at. Like I, I have done many d different jobs throughout my life. Like I was an animal control officer at a high school. I was then a dog trainer. I sold windshield wiper blades. I then, uh, I sold cars for a while. And like in that position, I like became a manager and managed people and then got to like do consulting as well. So I got to go on site to dealerships and work with like the owners and, and general managers and sales managers. And so like always being younger than everybody, you know, and always having to like establish respect through giving it, but also like having conversations with people past what we're there for, you know? And, and that was the one thing that I really learned to appreciate was like, Everybody has a story to tell. They've they've done different things in life. And that with the pallet industry, I just kind of really started to hone in on that. And I wanted to allow people to share their stories and like give a voice to that side of the industry. And that is kind of like what I focus on with with the the blog aspect of things, you know, is like trying to create organic content using the stories that they tell and like how they got started. And that I think is super important to me because it's, it, it brings the pallet industry like back to real and not reality, but like it's the human aspect of it. You know, like I think <laughs> that we kind of talked about it where it's like large companies, you kind of, you, the, the human aspect of things goes away, you know, the, the Randy and the Corey go away. It just becomes a pallet. And if it serves its purpose and it's an affordable price, then like, that's all that really matters. And I personally felt like 
people matter, you know, there's people behind the pallets and like I, they deserve to share their stories and to talk about things and, and to be heard as well. I think that's super important, you know, is like, as it sucks to talk and feel like nobody's listening sometimes. So like to give a, a sense of community to, to the pallet people and to like give, to find the audience who wants to listen to these, these people and, and things about pallets is my goal. So yeah, that's and, my and you're pulling up. Like, you, you know, I, I listened I like to the it. first, I hope so. <laughs> you are. And you just got to keep, keep grinding it out. Right. Until it, it, it catches fire. Uh, and it's only a matter of time for sure. I tell you them that the every day. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what were you do, saying? Do we want to talk about technology or, you know, I really, I got a question for you guys on the last couple of years. So I, I would consider myself at the bottom of the middle of the pallet companies, right? You got middle okay. tier pallet companies, and then you got the real big ones up here. And then you got the guys that are, you know, maybe doing 2000 a week and the guys doing the pickup trucks. Mm -hmm. So to have, did you guys see the enormous amount of buying and selling of pallet companies? Like, is that something that has been on your radar? And, and what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I I have seen that happen and pop up. I, I've seen the articles. Um, and I mean, I what do you, what is kind of like you were just asking if we've taken notice to it? Yeah. And just like, what are your feelings? Like, do you mm. have thoughts about it? Do you... you know what? I I watched this uh, this video on Instagram last night, actually, that I wanted to bring up during this conversation because it was very go. relevant. Um, let me pull it up real quick. But pretty much what what the conversation was or like what the video was, was this girl was like, oh, I just got scammed by, I guess this like this dental company. And so pretty much private equity is moving into many different industries. They're moving into healthcare, they're moving into car washes, which like I worked for a car wash business yeah. at one point in time as well. And I witnessed that happening and they're in and moving into pallets. And I, again, it's like the fuel to my fire, you know, like that is the reason for this. Um, so yes, I've taken notice to it. Do I, I don't, you know, I don't know where to kind of go from there. There's a lot we can go from there, but yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> How about you, Corey? Like, I would like to get well, your take on, on the. A lot of it. A without... lot of it to me is, one companies like my kids. I'll take for example, Christopher and Mason. You know, they tell me every day, "Oh, when we take over this business, we're selling it. We're getting rid of it. It's gone." And I'm like, "All right, cool, dude. Whatever. You know, I'm gonna be old and in the grave before that happens." So you know. uh I think a lot of it is, you know, second, third generation pallet companies. Uh, kids not wanting to do it anymore. You know, and they see, oh, well, we can sell it to, you know, XYZ pallet company. And, you know, we can walk away with $9 million in our bank. And I think that's really where we're starting to see a lot of, uh, a lot of the, uh, like selling of these, you know, larger independent pallet yards, you know, XYZ company's not going to come to me and be like, Oh, we want to buy you out. 
because we see you as a threat. And I think that's a lot of it is they see them as threats. Now, like with your company where you have two locations, one in Kentucky, one in uh, St. Louis. I taught Chattanooga. Oh, okay, Chattanooga. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, for them, they can come in, they'd be like, well, they've got two locations. They're strategically placed in a location where they can, you know, you can handle, you know, Chattanooga, shoot, all south. You know, everything in the southern part of the U.S. You know, everything in St. Louis, you got the whole Midwest. So, you know, for them to come in and, you know, they, they look at things like that. And like Kyle said, it's equity, it's investors, yeah. you know, it's people coming in and saying, oh, well, we can make, you know, this company's running $22 million this year. Let's take that platform nope. and buy them out. I think we lost them. And build their platform and grow with it. And a great. Well, he was getting really good too. <laughs> And I was liking everything he was saying, and I was about to not agree with it. So I hope, you were gonna uh, not agree with it? Yeah, for sure. I see it different, but I we're, we're I looking hear. from different different parts of the mountain. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so, what is your perspective on it then? So you know, I like what he was saying strategically placed, but I don't think they see these people as threats. I think that it, this was uh, this was business bottom line decisions. They were looking mm-hmm. for IPTA. Uh, guys that had IBDA at a certain amount to where, you know, they were profiting two, $3 million and COVID it was possible. Like pallet companies were, were making more money during COVID. So it just made the numbers so much bigger that, okay, they made $5 million. Well, that's a company we want to invest in, right? We want to buy that company because we can share in that $5 million. It could pay us back pretty fast. And I think, uh, and, and, and the guys are older. Some of those guys that did sell, but they a lot of young guys my age too, forty in their forties sold um, to be part of part of a bigger picture, right? A bigger so it's a big entity. Those those top three or four companies uh, mm-hmm. are just pretty big, and they're getting bigger. And you know, us smaller guys have to uh, definitely be aware. And for me, I don't think I would tell. I definitely would welcome uh, because. I'm so proud of pallet tails and recycling and all the people and all the effort. It's not something that we would give up on. We we're going to push this all the way through. Like we appreciate everyone helping us do this and it actually customers are liking it. And it seems like we're doing something right. Uh, we would definitely take an equity. We would definitely look at a partner coming from either the waste or uh, from private equity that would help back us partner what they're good at the financial side but let us continue to operate we would mm-hmm. do that right being able to still treat our people like people and our customers like customers and not as just you know uh another one or zero in yeah. many zeros so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no and i think that that was kind of like the um like the thought that I had kind of had with, with this was like, okay, when they're selling it, like, are they selling it outright? And then they're just slapping a new name on it. Or like, cause I've seen some acquisitions happen where it's like, Oh, like such and such is now part of such and such, you know? So it's like, are they, they're the ones that still own and operate that. And it's like, you just said they kind of took an equity investment or like how, you know, like what is, 
that how, so, how did that go down? I definitely don't know any inside information. Right. Right. But <laughs> from seeing from the outside in, uh, it looks like they're they're creating a one large company. They're swallowing these smaller ones up to build one large one, and all mm-hmm. of those small ones are 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 all part of the big one, and eventually they'll sell that big one. And that's kind of, and everyone that is selling, maybe they have a piece, maybe they don't, but they all want this big entity. So now you have 30 business owners that have sold their business, but still part of the new entity. And now they're pushing this bigger entity. That's stuff that we have to be aware of. Like that, these guys are, have built these massive companies and really good at what they do, multiple Mm -hmm. locations. Now they have equity backing what can they do in the pallet industry? And I think taking over all national accounts definitely is one thing that will happen. And us smaller guys, I wish Corey was still on here so he could, yeah. you know, we could talk about how that would affect him and how I see that affecting Travis, the guy he works with. Yeah. Um, so. No, and I, uh, that's, that's a good point. I honestly, uh, Mike, my thought is kind of like, it's ironic because even though they like own these accounts, like they still, use companies like Corey and Travis to take care of those accounts, you know, in areas in which they don't have somebody in, you know, like Corey, I know he's, he picks up from multiple different tractor supply companies and he picks up from Amazon, you know, and it's like, he might not be getting as much, uh, from Amazon as like, you know, one of the other companies that still is there, you know, like they're still there, but he's getting some for himself as well. But then also like the, the tractor supply, it's like, it went through, um, the, well, there was another acquisition, you know, prime 360. Uh, but so like with that, that situation, like, I just find that to be interesting where it's like, okay, well, like, so is it just like one person that got lucky and timed it well? And like, Oh, there he is. And timed it well and, and was able to get these, it's all right. <laughs> we were just here. Actually, do you want to do you want to ask your question, Randy? Um, I forget the question, but can I? I want to do one shout out because you mentioned Prime Three Hundred and Sixty. I got a okay. shout out to the Northwest Pallet Boys. Listen, they okay. sold to North. They sold to Prime Three Hundred and Sixty, and I grew up with those guys. All of them that started that brokerage from Wally, the owner, gave me great advice twenty years ago, fifteen years ago. His son Chris. Still a real good friend of mine. Uh, it was I was sad to see those guys kind of get broken up and go different places, but they were the original broker um, that had really helped. That's awesome. Teach me how did they brought me into their facility and kind of showed me how they were using Vikings to do used pallets, even though no one could do it. They had these special saws inside there, which I can say now because they've sold the company a, a month of time that would take. <laughs> It would it would tear down a forty eight by forty five, uh, and then on the other end of it, it's putting a new stringer in there as a forty. So it cuts cuts both sides off, puts a new stringer in, and because they were doing a mass amount of auto industry pallets, and that was just to see the innovation from that company. I know why they got bought out. They got wow. bought out because they were the leaders and the innovators uh, of, of our industry. And then now we, where is it going to go? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So they had a pallet facility, started Prime 360, which was a brokerage, 
No, so they started Northwest Powell. Northwest Powell was big, and they were, the origin, they were the original brokers, right? Okay. Uh, and then they, they, then they sold, Northwest sold to okay. Prime. Okay, no. gotcha, gotcha. And, and then the relation, then it became corporate, and the relationships weren't there. But before that, I had deep relationships with those guys. They definitely taught me, and I, I, I just like, you know, Corey with Travis, I'm sure he can go into his facilities and see what they're doing. That's really important that we grab as much information as possible so we don't make those mistakes, right? Right. Yeah, well, as long as I'm not videotaping or taking pictures, you know, right. he doesn't mind. <laughs> so, but no, as I was as I was saying, are we still recording or did you yeah, turn it yeah, off, Kyle? We're still, we're still. Hey, we got some good right. stuff while you were gone, my friend. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it's not showing on my deal that it's recording. Gotcha. Yeah, it still is. So, so. Um, but uh, we were talking about um, uh, the the buying and selling and the acquisitions. Yes, that yeah. yes. Well, that's the thing, though. You know, they're they're seeing we're seeing a lot more investment groups come in. People, hey man, I got a million dollars. Let's go buy this company out. You know, okay, cool. I put a million in. Mm. You put a million in. You put a million in. You put a million in. Next thing you know. <laughs> You know, you got 10 guys that all they've done is, hey, we're just going to go throw $10 million on the table and, you know, this company will bite. You know, and next thing you know, they're like, okay, now, you know, they may not even know uh, what's going on with the business. You know, great example uh, when my brother, you know, God rest his soul, he, uh, he worked for a company out of Grapevine, Texas. And he was he was in the oil and gas industry. He wrote computer programs. And he called up one day. He's like, man, we're getting bought out. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week, all this stuff. I said, well, who is it? And so he told me the name. I don't remember their names, but it's two brothers. And so I went in. I looked them up. I said, dude, you ain't got nothing to worry about. I said, they're investors. I said, they know more about you than you know about yourself. <laughs> you know, and they – they did wonders for him and his family and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, they, they see the aspect, they see the, the potential to make that money back and stuff like that. So, you know, that's where you're seeing a lot of these, you know, middle, middle to upper pallet yards, you know, the guys that, you know, maybe a large facility in the region or have, you know, five, six, even two locations and they see that as, oh, well, you know, all we're doing is we're going to buy them out. We're going to add two locations. They already got the manpower. They have already got the equipment. They've already got the trucks and trailers. You know, they have the knowledgeable staff, and that's what they're going for. You know, that's why we're seeing a lot of these, you know, larger regional pallet yards being bought out. Yeah. So. That was something that you, you had kind of brought up, Randy, was how, um, of course, the thought just left my brain. You were talking about, uh, oh, competition and how it was like not necessarily competition and how you wanted to talk to Corey about that. Do you remember? I don't. I don't, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's we, okay. went on that, we, we went on that pretty good tangent about, yeah. uh, you know, the, the buying of companies for sure. I, yeah. I do know that I see, I agree with you that it is, it definitely is equity coming in. But mm. I mean, these guys know what they're doing, man. They do, mm. and they're backing really smart pallet companies. And and I think that's the scary thing, is that they're backing mm -hmm. guys that are really smart, and that are you know 
slowly putting this thing together and how big is the net and where do we fit in? And that's, mm. you know, carving a, a piece out for ourselves. Uh, and then us smaller guys kind of banding together to try to take that, those, those kind of national accounts. How can we compete with them? Can we, can we, can we allow videotapes or can we allow that? Can we let our wall down and trust another pallet company in California or Texas? And I think that those are relationships that are going to be real important uh, to navigate the future, along with technology. If you don't have technology in five years, you're 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 not going to be a player. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what? software. You, you had the insight guy on, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the pallet insight. Yeah. yeah. I I had a conversation with Phil at Pallet Connect. Uh, okay. They they're some newer software. And, uh, you know, we, we, we tried it. It's a, it's a way better now. I don't know if we're going to go that route or not, but definitely have to go with software yeah. to run your business. Yeah. And that was kind of going to be my question, you know, like what kind of tech and technology are you referring to? Is it more just on the automation side of, uh, manufacturing or like even, I mean, obviously like pen and paper, if we don't there's options out there now that you don't need to do that anymore but like what other tech do you think is like a value and important for people to be aware of and to try and implement so we i was at the western pallet association and uh they have a conference in uh palm springs every year back in, mm-hmm. in in january it's uh the same weekend every single year and they talked about the different stuff that's coming in uh, that those are really important conversations to see what the top guys are doing. So you know what you have to. One of them is a uh, is that software that runs your whole business. No more pen and paper. Like right now, we take a, a sheet, go to every table, right? We click it. Now we're going to have to start implementing iPads to where now forklift drivers are doing the counts that they're pulling pallets. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever the uh, an invoice will 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 hop from one iPad to the next iPad, meaning the different stages that that order is in, will will follow those guys. And I think that's really important. And then your your customer being able to order, how DoorDash, like all of that stuff has yeah. ruined the way we order things, right? Amazon <laughs> easy button. Yeah. So not having an app for your, for, for your purchasing agent, big mistake. Like it has to happen. They're gonna expect it. Uh, if your competitor shows up, they're going to wipe the floor with you for a minute until you can implement it. So looking ahead and then the biggest saw, uh, and I know I'm rambling, but you guys want me to no, keep no. going? Right. Yeah, yeah, so, of course. So let's rock and roll. So we bought this PRS uh, teardown machine. It, it's the same technology, right? But it just moves it in a, all in the direction. So we're getting a flow, right? We're getting a flow of all of our material going in a certain way. And then... Uh, they they make PRS makes a Promax and then AMS makes a uh, urban sawmill and it's a computerized trim saw. It does thirty thousand cuts with three people. Right now, I use seven trim saws and three chop saws to do what that one machine will do, and I have fourteen people doing it. So right now, wow. my used material and, and since March, we have really honed in. Um, our used material may cost 21 cent whenever we put labor in there, right? With it. So every piece of, every piece of lumber coming off of my line is 21 cent. So a 48 inch notch runner that's used is 21 cent. 
is what I have in it. This machine would cut that down to about five cents. So how can my wow. competitors compete with me if I'm doing it there, right? And then you're on the custom side anyway. It just now the new palette won't be able to compete with you. So it, it, that technology is going to take over our industry. Then that's the Orbital or the Pro Max from PRS. Give have you guys seen that technology or not? No, no, I haven't. Mm -mm. And I, I the, the most technology I've seen is the robotic arm, where <laughs> robot the arm just picks the pallet up, strips it, and then it's like on its way, you know. And so, but and I, <clears throat> I've seen those. I don't like them yet because it's a six hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment that can only do. And Craig with AMS, I apologize for the numbers. I don't know where it is. It's between <laughs> 500 and 750. Let's say that, right? Okay. Uh, uh, and it costs a couple thousand dollars for the mat every month. And it only does, you have one operator still, and that one operator is only going to do about 400 to 500 pallets. I haven't seen it do more than that. And I'm not disparaging it. It's just for me, I see the urban saw as a bigger impact because my teardown machines, man, we're doing a thousand per per teardown machine a day. Like those guys are monsters. They're rolling through that stuff. Um, now the urban saw will shop it all with three people. So wow. I like that better. It's a better impact for the money than the robotic arm. Cause I think I would have to have five or six of them to make sense. Gotcha. Right. Yep. Well then what do you do with, uh, with your, 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 uh, <clears throat> your people i mean nobody wants to lay people off yeah you know and and that's that comes with technology too is you know as we move into you know we're taking like hal said before you know our industry is stuck in in 1950s you know it's it's been the same equipment you know we've just got nicer trucks trailers you know somebody may come out and be like oh well, we got this bearing over here that that's rides a little smoother you know so and so now we have to bring it into the 21st century where now we got technology, we have, you know, robotics, we have lasers, we have, you know, and earlier I know you were talking about the machine where, you know, they can put a pallet through there and it'll strip it. And next thing you know, 4840 pops out on the other side. You know, to me, that's that's awesome. Like, for me, that would be like the best thing since cake and ice cream, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I would just like feed that thing all day long and like you know, cool. Now I got 48, sitting on the other side, but <clears throat> I don't know where I was going with this, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, okay. So people, when you, you're talking about when people. you see, you know, that $600,000 robotic arm, <laughs> you know, now you're out seven people. How do you justify keeping those seven people? Can you, you know, do you move them to other things? Can you make them drivers? you know, stuff like that. Can you, I mean, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's a fair question, especially all uh, of the humanity and human talk that we've talked about, right? Like that, <laughs> that it's important. Uh, these, these are not, these are not just uh, names on a paper. These are people that have kids that have, that have trusted me enough to come to my place and know that I'm going to take care of them and pay them. Uh, so, Definitely, we, we have plans for uh, automatic nailing machine. And what that will do, that will allow uh, females 
to actually build pallets. We have them in some, I've seen them in other plants to where they're running their machines, they're the machine operator. Uh, and I, I feel like five or six of those would, would go to those machines. And we're, we're definitely strategically placing, trying to do it all smoothly. Um, and at, at a level that is, where I did learn putting that new equipment in, at, this, at, a, at, a, at a fast paced level, man, you have to have a lot of planning you could, this is not an overnight thing. I've, I have switched out teardown machines. I have moved in a night. That is not what you can do when you're doing 40,000 plus pallets a week. Mm, you can't, it, right. it's just like maybe a three week project to, to get that stuff switched out. Um, and just a nightmare logistically on how to get it all, uh, to get it all time for it. But Definitely do not want to lose people. We want to find other places for them. I feel like we're we're uh, we're going to need more people uh, building pallets. Um, you know, come next year. You think like just in general because there's going to be a larger need for pallets is what you're saying. Um. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Right. I hope, I hope so. Like, I hope that yeah. they at least need the ones that I can, I can make. Yeah. Um, do, right. do, do I think that the big guys have an advantage because they have so many assets, they have so many shops, like, you know, uh, not going to mention them by name, but you know, the largest yeah. might have 250 plus assets or shops. So to be able to get data from all of those shops, to be able to kind of tell where the market was, we hundred percent know that, you know, one of the top companies knew knew the switch was coming. They could see it, and it happened mm-hmm. because of their analyzing the information from all over uh, all their locations, so they can see trends. And I think that's really important going forward to be able to do that. So having a Facebook to where we can share what the markets are doing, having an interactive map that maybe we can put some information in there, something uh, later on, um, going to be important for us smaller guys to stay in touch and see the trend like the big guys are seeing it. That's a really good point. And I think that that's, I think that's something that I I've personally not really thought that much about, but like seeing how it's like, yeah, if you're across the U S or even the world, you can take the information and, and that is what is driving your productivity or your potential lack of productivity is was what it sounds like. So I, 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 that's a really good point. Yeah. I just like, it kind of clicked in my brain where I was like, Oh, Oh wow. Okay. That, that now makes sense. It's like, yeah, you can kind of gauge what's going on based off of all of the different areas in which you're in and what you're doing there. And I, I, I can see how helpful that is for, people in that position and why also it would be super helpful to have people communicate that on the smaller side of things and our medium smaller side of things, you know? So (laughs) yeah, I appreciate you acknowledging that and kind of bringing that up because I, I I think that it's like, I kind of see conversations within the group sometimes happen, you know, where it's like, what are the prices in your area? You know, but it's like, it, it can go beyond that conversation right like it can go beyond way beyond it has to go beyond uh and remember private equity they love analytics man they love to be able to look at numbers and be able to show trends and be able to know that their money's going to be 
you know, they're going to make more money. They just have to wait or they have to put more over here. So uh, mm -hmm. it's really important that us small guys do do communicate. And, you know, because no one from the top is going to help us. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. And it's, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you, you bringing that up and kind of making it a point to, to talk about that. And I feel like it kind of makes me think about like, what, what else do you feel like is not talked about enough within this industry? Man, that put me way on the spot right there. If something popped into my head, I would immediately say it and get in trouble. But yeah, um, yeah so you know what? I, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get some clickbait. You ready? So, uh, women being more accepted and a a bigger role. So, in my company, there is no doubt that eventually it will be taken over by the extremely talented and uh, driven people that are in there. And, and, and I think that th there's a lack of, uh, of that, of just acknowledging the women in our industry. Uh, the president of the National Wooden Pallet Tainer Association, their, uh, their board had a, a lady that owns a pallet company out in California. So it was good to acknowledge it that way. But then let's, whenever we go to that convention, let's like men that, that, that have daughters, let's act like men that uh, have wives and grandmothers. Don't act like a bunch of hooligans. I took my daughters this year. Fair enough. I'm, I'm yeah, doing this I because of it. Like I'm doing oh, my 21 okay. year old daughter went with me, got to see what dad has been doing for 15 years. And the the our our fellow um, palette people need to mm -hmm. remember that we have to be respectful, man. We we have to respect each other and respect everyone. Like, come on, yeah. So that no. that's what's wrong. Like, definitely the acknowledgement of women in our industry, uh, them being passed up for promotions. I have to take a good look at myself and make sure that my company is doing the right thing when it comes to to uh, acknowledging the people that deserve it Re regardless like if you're great like we have to promote you we have to continue to uh train you and and and, and uh put the effort industry-wide yeah no i i appreciate you you know saying that and being transparent about it i was not trying to you know put you on the spot or anything like that i didn't <laughs> anticipate that but no, I, I think that that's, that's valuable. And I, I mean, I, I cannot speak on it. You know, I've not had the experience or witnessed what you've witnessed and what they've witnessed. And so like, I'm not even going to try, but I'm just going to thank you for, for, for sharing that, you know? Uh, yeah. Can I share? I would like to thank Mike with legacy. I love you. I really appreciate you. I'm not sure if he'll, he might listen to this in six months, but uh, he was <laughs> at that convention. He, yeah. he came right over, looked my looked my my daughter in the eye, looked me in the eye, had a conversation, looking at our eyes the whole time. Invited us to dinner the next day, and him and Marsha, the owner of Legacy Nails, uh, had we had the best the best time I could have uh, with with the customer, and I'm their vendor, or, or vice versa. It was it was really good, and I appreciated how respectful he was uh, to my family. Well, that's awesome. I'm. 
yep. glad that you that you had that experience, and I think it's yeah. important. And I'm too. sorry to be so strong about it, but you're right. No, I, no, I, I, I do see huh. there's something wrong, and then there's more. There's a lot of things wrong with our industry, and I think having these discussions, and this is why it's so important, guys. You have to continue to do this. How I can support it, I definitely want to. Uh, because we can fix those problems. Like if there is an issue in our industry and we can talk about it and it gets a little traction, then we might have to fix it. And so this is a really important platform to to improve our industry. Well, thank you. And, and to be honest, I think that like we fear the repercussions of what could happen to our reputation, in my opinion. Right. I think that that could be, you know, a reason for people's hesitation to share and talk about things like like Corey had said before, where he was like, yeah, I went on LinkedIn and I just started like messaging people and doing things. And I was just like at first I was like, dude, what are you what are you doing? You know, it's like this is kind of like, you know, like I, I don't I don't think I feel comfortable with that. But I, it was because I personally was like afraid you know i was kind of like i don't know the repercussions of what can come from this and and i don't know you know what what it waits ahead and i think that that could be where things come from you know it's just a fear of you know not wanting to be the first one to to say something or speak out or you know be judged for it or or anything like that and i feel like the more that people communicate the more that they realize like Oh, okay. I'm I'm not alone in this boat. You know, like people do feel the same way, or like have had similar experiences. And uh, it's at the end of the day, we're we're all gonna be in the same place. So it's like, why would you not be willing to kind of take a little bit of a, a risk and like share your perspective and share your I don't know. I, you, I feel like I'm, I'm yeah. rambling now, but you know well, where I'm coming from. I, I do. And, and, and just, I would encourage other people if they listen to this and you invite them on, you, you guys are super professional, right? I, I listen. I, I was able to see from. Try to be. So from, from one to six, right. I listen to them and then you see the rhythm that you start getting into. And then you send me an invite and uh, super easy set up perfect, like super professional, that is what we need. Like it would not take off and I couldn't support it if we were just half, if we were just not putting a hundred percent in and you are, and it tell, it definitely shows. And uh, I definitely um, want to be a part of it as much as I can. You guys got me well, excited then. again. Like after, <laughs> after 45 years awesome. uh, to be excited about business still and know that, you know, the, the, better things are, are in my future for sure. Uh, get me excited. Well, and I, I hope so. You know, I think that that's again, like the, the reason for why I'm trying to do this, you know, is to one kind of like create purpose in my own life and also to kind of reignite the purpose for why other people are doing what they're doing. You know, like for everybody who signs up for the site, I always like to interview them so I can take that information and like create content from it. But like in the conversation, like some people they're quick, some people they are like 20 minute, 15 minute conversations. It's like, they just answer the questions that I have. But I've talked to some people that like, they, they really get into it and they're really like sharing these stories of like how they got started and excuse me. And like, it, it's like, they almost kind of 
are remembering like why they're doing what they're doing and and how they got there and it really it just like is a reminder for me as to like why i feel like this can be of value is because it's like it kind of just creates it it it, it's trying to create purpose again within like their their business i guess not that it's yeah i don't know i'm kind of it's getting late here <laughs> for sure no uh, and you know i i know people so an example uh just uh the anderson anderson pallet down in california uh, out in colorado uh mm-hmm. the pallet company went up for sale they were they were living in this really nice million dollar kind of housing behind this pallet company they bought mm-hmm. the pallet company he was a cfo she's a uh a designer for chipotle or one of the big uh uh restaurants and they put that energy into a pallet company and to hear their story and the struggles and it's harder than what they thought, but they still persevere. He learned how to, he got a CDL. He learned how to drive a tractor and, you know, CFO to a CDL tractor. I mean, (laughs) you know, that's a pallet game. And I just think uh, more of those people coming on, sharing those stories will definitely shine a light on the interesting folk in the pallet world. Yes. And, and I, I hope so. I hope that they, find this or you know again like through your your network and and the people i continue to reach out to you know people will be more willing to 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 share and talk about these things because again it's like we all i've just found a lot of interesting stories within this industry you know from moms starting their business you know like there's one person that that's on this on my site that's uh like their mother worked for a pallet yard pallet yard shut down she started her own business and now like her son runs the operation you know yeah. or um uh individual's father was like a butcher at a grocery store and the, the grocery store shut down and so his father went full force into the pallet industry and like now he's running the operation so it's really it's really cool to hear these stories and to to realize that it's like a lot of like everybody kind of started on the same page though, for the most part, you know, like everybody went out, got a truck, picked up pallets, sold pallets and, and just continued to hustle from there and grow it. And then it's like, you were saying they like, as much as you can work and work and work, you have to start to think in the sense of, okay, well, what is something that like I could do, but somebody could do better. And how do I, I guess release that control and allow that allow somebody else to kind of take over, you know, help out, help out. Yeah, no, you listen, take over. Like, I don't want to do this. Like I want to teach people and let them go to the next, (laughs) let them take it. Like you, they're smarter than me. They see it different. Right. I've I've seen it through a, through a, just a haze of hail and struggle and storms. So, you know, I'm coming with that kind of baggage. They're coming only with, with not taking the personal, just seeing the information, analyzing it, and doing what's best. That is unbelievable. And uh, that that's who's taking over and why uh, PSR is building so fast. It's because of those people. Without that operations manager putting him in place and relieving my, my, my partner and I, we couldn't have grown through COVID. We would have strangled ourselves through COVID. So because we started putting those personnel in place, uh, we were able to get bigger and bigger. And I, I like what you said. 
for sure. I gotta, I gotta live by that, and and uh, definitely uh, we'll try for sure. Well, uh, I mean, I I feel like there's always opportunity for more conversations. If I'm being honest, I think I'm getting a little hungry and a little tired. <laughs> So, I'm, I'm not going to stop. Like, this is what I've done for time. I've been, I've been waiting for this opportunity to talk about pallets with hey. people that are interested for a yeah. long time. So I appreciate both of you doing this. Yeah. And, uh, man, I'm not just talking it up. Like, I do want to support it and thank you guys. And if you ever want me a part of any roundtables or anything in the future, oh, I think we yeah. mentioned maybe – uh, doing a remote from the pallet uh, conferences, maybe something like that. I think potentially, you know, inv yes, inviting some of those Facebook people to come by and check it out. That might be cool. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that there, there is opportunity for many different things. And, and I think mm -hmm. that to continue to meet people like yourself and have these types of conversation it, is super helpful for me. It's very, again, it, it is fuel to my fire, you know, and, and it really, I can't thank you enough. And again, like you said, like not trying to just like pat each other on the back. It's genuinely sure. like a, a appreciation for something that though I have a significant lack of experience in comparison to you, you know, it's like, I still, I, f I found something that I actually enjoy, you know, <laughs> like I've, I, as I told you, I tried many different things from animals to cars to sales in general. And it's like, for some reason, pallets has just stuck around with me. And like, I will meet random strangers. And when I tell them about the pallet industry, they're just like, what is that? And how, like, you know, like people don't really know about it. So it's always fun to me because you get to kind of educate people on something that they might see on a daily basis and like they don't think about the whole industry behind it. So sure. yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to meet people that are excited about this topic and this industry. For sure, man. Yeah, I want to see a purchasing agent and maybe a, a uh, plant manager on with you guys just talking about their side of thing. So you can see that not just our side, but we can kind of hear what they go through and, and how pallet people can be pests and, you know, kick down their door and bug them on LinkedIn. Like, what do they think about that? That would, that would be a cool, okay. and I'd love to talk to you about that when I have some ideas on them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's a great idea. I'll see if Donald wants to come. Uh, yeah. There you go. You already know somebody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Donald. Donald. Yeah. He's uh Travis's production manager. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So he oversees he oversees all all five warehouses. Gotcha. Super interesting. And then so, on the other side, on the buying side, right? Like getting yeah. a, a warehouse manager from uh, a box company or or you know something like that would be really neat to see because I don't I want to hear them talk about their interactions with us. Yes, how, you know <laughs> I think that would be interesting if we can get the if you could get well, I said we my bad if you can no, get the good. right people <laughs> it'll be pretty neat. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. And again, I I always appreciate your contributions and suggestions. So, um, no, it's I have my work cut out for me. That's for sure. And there's definitely there's more <laughs> to do and more things to to act on. So I I can only thank you. Um, is there any kind of final notes you think you might want to add to this episode specifically, or anything you, like that? You know. 
uh, I appreciate you giving me that shot, man, but uh, I didn't say anything real crazy, so I'm not going to, I'll just leave it at that. And I appreciate, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you guys. And I can't wait to, uh, to talk to you guys again. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us, Randy. Um, we, we greatly appreciate everybody who listens and watches these videos. If you're not already like, and subscribe the video or podcast, wherever you're listening on, um, that is all I have to say. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Guys. No problem.